0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Christy, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is July twenty-fifth. Today, we are reading from the big book, and we are at the forward to the second edition, page XIX, beginning with As We. Today's readers are Hoodie, Margaret, Sharon, Judy B., Michelle, Fran, and Carol P., and that's Margaret Kaye. The reference number for yesterday's reading, July 24th, is 2761. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Hoodie to read the 12 steps.
1: Hi, good morning, Christy. My name is Hoodie, compulsive overeater. The 12 steps of Alcoholics of, alcohol Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our fears. Thank you, Pat.
0: Thank you, Hoodie. I will now call on Margaret K. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, this is Margaret, compulsive overeater. Uh, Tradition one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Six, an AA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, AA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before our personalities. Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Today we will begin, we will resume our study of the book on page XIX, so we're in the forward to the second edition, we're on the first full paragraph, um, beginning with as we, and I will ask that Sharon begin reading.
2: Good
0: morning, this is Sharon, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. As we discovered the principles by which the individual alcoholic could live, so we had to evolve principles by which the AA group and AA as a whole could survive and function effectively. It was thought that no alcoholic man or woman could be excluded from our society, that our leaders might serve but never govern that each group was to be autonomous and there was to be no professional class of therapy. There were to be no fees or dues. Our expenses were to be met by our own voluntary contributions. There was to be at least the, the least possible organization, even in our service centers. Our public relations were to be based upon attraction rather than promotion. It was decided that all members ought to be anonymous at the level of press, radio, TV, and film. And in no circumstances should we give endorsements, make alliances, or enter public controversy. Wow. Now, there is so much in this one paragraph. Uh, but the thing that is is um, fascinating is we, we ask, well, how will this group survive? It, uh the leaders can serve, but they can't govern, they can't tell people what to do, what they should and shouldn't do, they can't even tell you that you have to pay money or dues, where are they going to get the money? You mean just volunteers are going to run this organization? How is it going to survive? What if people get unruly or get out of, Uh, try to run the show and make things happen what about all the uh, human frailties you know where that we've dealt with all of our lives how are we going to possibly make it as a group with these constraints and then we realized that there's a couple of things that happen in AA that don't happen in the general population first of all we're all desperate we come to the room with at our at our at rock bottom many of us
2: and we find that if we don't
0: do these things we may not live we may die or even worse we may live and continue in the dreadful misery that we've been existing in and so we have we Mm -hmm. are highly motivated
2: we are desperate and
0: the other thing that causes helps us to work is that we're not depending upon human power we have a power greater than ourselves so we don't need anyone to direct us we we have principles that we that govern us and we have a common uh solution that we work towards we have that common goal in front of us and that is sobriety that is abstinence that is living life successfully and so we have that common solution, and we all have a higher power. Our group has a higher power that we bow to, that we surrender to, and that we recognize. Now, some of us may come and we don't recognize a higher power, but the group is directed whether we recognize that higher power or not. When we follow these principles, we find. That a higher power emerges and directs us uh, as as one for that common solution. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to share on what was read?
3: Did Paula, Missy.
0: Yes. Go ahead, Paula.
3: Thank you. This is Paula, Recovered Compulsive overeater, And I'm going to go right on that first line. Ah, Don't you love the beginnings, huh? And that's what it says here. As we discovered, you know, we we look at that word discovered. That's to lay open, to view, to reveal, to have the first sight of, to find out. And, you know, first it started as we discovered the principles by which the individual that would be the me's and the you's individual alcoholics could live. So we, now it became we, had to evolve principles by which the AA groups and AA as a whole could survive and function effectively. I'm just going to go to that word. So we, so we came together here, had to evolve. Now we we were principled people, recovered people. Had to evolve means to develop. And you remember the old, well, all right, I'll date myself, but that's all right the old Kodak photographs, and, and, and you would take a picture, and uh, there would be nothing on it. It would be blank, so, supposedly, but you uh, must not put your own fingerprints on it, by the way. And you watched. And all of a sudden, it came to view. And then it came even stronger until it finally you could touch it now. Because, see, it wouldn't be printed. Your, your prints wouldn't be all over it. And it had to involve principles here, too. The same thing, the principles had to be put in place here. And it said very clearly, what are the principles, a general truth, a fundamental law, a rule of action, uprightness, uprightness. And there that says so clearly, which the AA groups in AA as a whole could survive and function and how effectively we could have an effect and a positive and good one with these things in place. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass.
0: Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Janice. Good morning, Janice. Go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Vision for you, um, people. uh, My fellow compulsive overeaters, I'm Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God this paragraph, as we discovered the principles by which the individual alcoholic could live. And what were those? What are they referring to? The the principles that you and I discovered began to form in us as we worked the steps, honesty and faith and hope and courage and integrity. Those very same principles that were serving us well as individuals were going to serve the group well also because these early groups were starting to have some bumpy rides you know what were the things they were trying to discover how do we become inclusive never exclusive how do we make this thing open to everyone so that no one no alcoholic man or woman could be excluded how do we evolve so that our leaders are but trusted servants how does all of that happen well it's only going to happen we found if we lived by those very same principles. And each group should be autonomous, functioning as a group, as an individual group, but must be aware of the whole, unified or pass off the scene, that previous paragraph had said. So there were many things that were going to evolve as these groups grew, as more and more groups were formed. How were we going to live? How were we going (laughs) to save ourselves from ourselves, you know, That because without you, there is no me. And those groups had to be formed slowly but surely based on those very same principles. And that's what they found. And that's what we find to be true today. Nothing has changed. That's why these precious 164 pages in the beginning are still so meaningful today because all of those things still are true today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. I'm Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And as we read this paragraph, I'm struck by the weighty topics in this paragraph that that those early groups had to work through. You know, now they've got eight thousand or so members, and they have to decide. Who can come in? You know, who, who are we going to let in? You know, everybody wants to join, or at least 8,000 or so people want to join. Who are we going to let in? Who's in charge here? Who's in charge here? What about money? What about money? Money. Leadership. These weighty topics. You know, I, I'll say two things, and one of those is that I'm really glad I wasn't in those early meetings. I mean, that's a, those are heavy duty topics to try to cover and figure out and navigate through. And the second thing that I'm really struck by is that primary purpose. You know, you know, I can just imagine in those rooms, you know, going through all of these topics and reminding themselves, you know, reminding themselves, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's not get off topic here. What's our primary purpose? It's to carry the message to the compulsive overeater or the suffering alcoholic. You know, what is our primary purpose? And to keep going back to that, to get everybody back on track. If we do this, will it meet our primary purpose? Will it align with our primary purpose? And, um, you know, that's what, guided, that's what guided this group. And, you know, those traditions, just like their steps, have remained true, even though now we've got social media, you know, we've got all different ways of connecting, which, you know, certainly we can tap into, but, but those traditions remain true, they're solid, they guide groups as they try to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And and I'm just so grateful, so grateful that they worked through that, and those have remained solid as a foundation to build all of our groups on. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to share on what was read?
4: Yes, this is Leah. Good morning. Good morning. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. This is Leah, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you. Uh, as we discovered the principles by which the individual alcoholic could live, so we had to evolve principles by which the AA groups and AA as a whole could survive and function effectively. So, um, you know, these groups had been together and, uh you know they were uh blazing the trail for you and i and it wasn't always a smooth road you know these traditions were hammered out out of trial and error uh tears and a few uh disagreements probably out in the hall you know near the uh near the coffee urn um these traditions are a guide to better ways of working and living together they're a gr- they're a group uh of uh of, of communications, of guides, how are we going to survive together as a group? How are we going to sur- survive together? Because if there's no you, there's not going to be any me. If this uh, heartbeat of AA ceases to beat, then we will die separately. We will die separately because most individuals cannot recover unless there is a group and the group must survive or the individual will not. Essentially, we're in a bind. This is a life and death matter here at this time period that they're talking about. Because when AA was very young, these first members clearly saw the preservation of its unity as their life or death matter for themselves and for the alcoholics that were still unrecovered who were still in the gutter or locked up in an insane asylum. They knew that these traditions were life and death matter, just like the 12 steps are life and death matter to each of us individually. Individually. Now, how is this going to be possible? How are they going to hammer this out? Well, if we're each doing our work, meaning if we are each subjecting ourselves to the action that is required in the 12 steps, then it will come to be that in each of us, a loving God has emerged, right? A loving God has emerged in each and every one of us. These leaders, quote-unquote, these officers of a group, ultimately are spiritually led. We're spiritually led. We're not led by ego, ultimately. We have a loving God in us, and that loving God will express him or herself. You know, so this was a life and death matter, and each of the other 11 traditions that are alluded to here in this paragraph explain one specific way to protect the unity of the fellowship and the AA group as a whole. To save us from ourselves. To save us from ourselves. The 12 steps save each of us individually But the traditions, ironed out by our history here that we're reading about, saves us from ourselves. It was true back then when this forward was was penned in 1955, and it's absolutely true today as we sit together on the phone lines in 2012. With that, I pass. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Leah. Anyone else? All right, let's move on.
0: Judy B., would you please read the next paragraph?
5: Uh, yes, this is Judy B., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. This was the substance of AA's 12 Traditions, which are stated in full on page 561 of this book. Though none of these principles had the force of rules or laws, they had become so widely accepted by 1950 that they were confirmed by our first international conference held at Cleveland. Today, the remarkable unity of AA is one of the greatest assets that our society has. And I'm going to stop there just because I, I want to um, emphasize that, that these traditions are, are so important. And when it says, this was the substance of AA's 12 traditions, they're talking about everything that was written in the paragraph before, listing all of all of the uh, principles and everything stated on page five sixty one, where we can read um, the traditions again. These are just so important, and and they were accepted by AA uh, in nineteen fifty, and we as compulsive overeaters need to accept these in, in our meetings so that we can become uh, as, as great so that we can grow and grow as AA has and um, so that the world will see that, that there is a, a program here that works and it's just so important that we, that we keep these traditions in, in OA so that um, so that our program thrives and um they're based on principles and, and principles that are regulations, rules, um truths that that will work and that will will help our groups to work together and um and all of those items which were mentioned in the previous paragraph are are part of them and they're important and um we just need to understand that principles come before personalities, and these principles will, will help us to grow and will govern us. And um, I, I just think it's marvelous that we, that we um, look at them now. And I think when I first came into OA, when there would be a tradition meeting, I just I did not realize the importance of it. And now after being in OA for many years, I see how very, very important they are. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Judy. Would anyone else like to share on what was
2: read? This is Leah.
4: Good morning, Leah. Go ahead. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, yes, so these principles uh, that we're speaking about, you know, unity, trust, identity, uh, the principles that are threaded through these traditions, um, they are not, as it says here, though these, none of these principles had the force of rules or laws, they had become so widely accepted by 1950 that they were confirmed by our first international conference had, held at Cleveland. Indeed, that's true. There were over 7,000 members of Alcoholics Anonymous in attendance at that particular convention. And, uh, you know, the vote was unanimous. You know, they needed something. They knew that their lives depended on one another. And they also knew that each and every member is still human. You know, just because you're recovered, you don't uh, rise above human. We will never rise above human. And uh, therefore, what is going to keep us in check? how are we going to survive and work together knowing that each of us uh still has you know some flaws that uh, may rear their heads and some of them may be very dark not so pretty and not easy to work with so what is going to keep us united Well, these very life-saving principles came about. Again, this is a life and death matter. This is not just about uh, having nothing to do and and wanting to do further organization work. This is about how are we going to hold together so that the heartbeat, so that the heartbeat, the blood that runs through each and every one of us veins can hold together and not cease to beat. Because if that heartbeat of AA, that unity, ceases to beat, then we all die. We all die. I need you. And if God dwells in me, then he dwells in you too. So these traditions, no, they are not. They don't have the force of rules. They don't have the force of regulations. And they don't have the force of a law. We obey them. Each of us comes together. A loving God has emerged in our individual lives. We come together as a group. Whether it's in 1950 or in 2012, we come together and we obey these traditions willingly because we ought to and because we want to. We want to. We want to serve the master, the ultimate master, not the master of ego, not the master of self-will run riot. We want to serve our higher power the ultimate authority, because we fully understand in the core of our being that unified we will live and disunited we will perish. So the secret behind the power of these principles, of these traditions, lies in the fact that these life-giving principles sprung out of living experience, the trial and error of the decade of the beginning of AA, and they are rooted in? Love. They are rooted in love, love, love for the group, love for the individual, dignity for the individual, a sense of respect for the individual, and a deep, deep appreciation of what it takes to hold a group together and to work effectively. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else
0: like to share on what was read?
6: Hi, this is Michelle. Good morning,
0: Michelle. Go
6: ahead. Okay. I just wanted to share on the um, last line. Um, By the way, this is Michelle, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God. Welcome to everyone. Hello to everyone. Uh, Today, the remarkable unity of AA is one of the greatest assets that our society has. And um, when I flip back to page 562, where Tradition 1 is written in, it says, Our common welfare should come first personal recovery depends upon AA unity. And um, that second part, personal recovery, depends upon AA unity. Um, the first time I read that, I didn't realize that, that my recovery and what I do and how I show up at a meeting has an impact on other people and upon the unity of um, our, our OA group. And so I have a responsibility um, to my group. Um I'm responsible for my personal recovery, but but it's reciprocated. Um, the group is there for me, and I am there to share with the group. And it's the greatest asset um, that our group, that our society, um, that you know, Overeaters Anonymous um, has to give and I have to give. And so, yes, like it's already been said, um, I'm doing my work. I'm working the steps. I'm showing up abstinent. I'm showing up. Uh, recovered, working to the best of my ability, um, relying completely on God for, for the gifts that I've received and then bring it to the group. And um, it is remarkable, the unity we have and it is a great asset. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Michelle. Would anyone else like to share on what was
2: read before we move to the next paragraph? All right, let's move on. Michelle, would you begin reading the next paragraph,
6: please? Uh, yes, good morning. Again, this is Michelle, recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God. While the internal difficulties of our adolescent period were being ironed out, public acceptance of AA grew by leaps and bounds. For this, there were two principal reasons the large numbers of recoveries and reunited homes. These made their impression everywhere. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. Other thousands came to a few AA meetings and at first decided they didn't want the program. But great numbers of these, about two out of three, began to return as time passed. I'll stop there. There's so much in this paragraph. Um, I know at the beginning it talks about the reasons that AA grew by leaps and bounds. And, um, you know, I've learned this by um, listening to our phone uh, conferences and um, there, there were two reasons, two principal reasons: the large numbers of recoveries. Um, you know, it goes on to say that 50% got sober at once and remained that way. And then, uh, secondly, uh, re- reunited homes. It brought families back together. And um, I think the one thing that impressed me the most um, that I that resonated for me was the very, um, you know, the acceptance that um, people felt when they came because. Um, it says that, you know, thousands came to a few meetings and decided that they didn't want the program, but, but great numbers returned and, um, as time passed. And I guess I'm resonating to that so much because um, um, that pretty much describes me. I came um, to OA in the 90s, um, decided I didn't want the program. Um, But when I came back, you know, because of the great asset of the unity of the group, you guys were still there. And, um, you know, I I returned, I came back, but the group was there for me. And, um, yeah, I've been able to experience the miracles of recovery and um, having my home reunited. my family um, sees the love um, that I am able to now express um, because I'm connected to God because of this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Michelle. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, my fellows. Um, My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And I'm a numbers girl, so I'm going to go over the numbers here. It says, of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder who stayed on with AA showed improvement. So that means they had a recovery rate of 75%. I mean, that's incredible. You know, I mean, I'm not in AA, but friends in AA, they tell me they can't claim close to that today. And as a member of OA, my observation and my experience in OA, we're lucky if we can claim 5%. And why is that? Why is that? It's because when this book was published, there was no difference between the program of recovery, which is in the big book, and the fellowship. They were one. And people went into a meeting and they were given this book and they worked this program and they recovered. So it's the program of recovery, this book that brings the recovery. And I remember hearing someone tell me that they were talking to a sponsor and they were telling the sponsor all that they did, how many meetings they went to, how many phone calls they did, how many pieces of literature they read. And the sponsor simply said to them, well, I'm really sorry, but you're too sick to get well on the fellowship. You're too sick. You need to do the steps. And that's what this program is about. That's where the true recovery is. The fellowship is wonderful. And if the fellowship is healthy, it will support us. But this recovery rate is because of the program of the recovery. And my other experience is that, you know, from my own experience and working with others, is that people will say, I've been in and out of the program for 15 years and I just can't get it. I just can't get it. And what I have found is they're in and out of the fellowship. They've never worked the steps. I never truly worked the steps. I would go to meetings. I would leave. I would get absent. I would leave. I, would, I was in and out of the fellowship. So very few people that I have worked with who are in and out of the program relapse because it's the program of recovery that will give us that psychic change sufficient to bring about recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on what was read?
7: Monica
0: go ahead Monica
7: good morning Christy good morning everyone my name is Monica I am a recovered compulsive overeater and I too am going to focus on those numbers of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried 50% got sober at once and remained that way 25% sobered up after some relapses and among the remainder those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. So right off the bat there, very quickly, a 75% success rate. And yes, as so well, spoken earlier here, and it was because they used the big book. They used the solution, the recovery, the the, the program of recovery that's in this book. That's what they did at their meetings. They studied, they worked the steps, and or they had speaker meetings. But I wanted to say, and what gave me a lot of hope, when I came into, um, well, I came into the program, and then, you know, it was like someone said, it was the fellowship part. And I got serious with this um, a number of years back. But when I when I read this with my sponsor, she pointed out to me the 50, the 75% who got sober at once. And then she said, 25% among the remainder those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. And that's all I could show at that point for all the years I'd been in OA was, yes, there had been a lot of improvement, but I wasn't recovered. And you know why? Because I hadn't seriously worked the 12 steps. And that's, and since then that's made all the difference in the world, getting that sponsor and working those steps as they are laid out in the big book, getting that personality change, that spiritual awakening as a result, it's such a different world. So I'd like to say, if you're out there and you haven't done it yet, there's hope, there's hope, there's hope. And I get a lot of hope out of this uh, paragraph. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you so much. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Sharon. Janice. I'm hearing Janice, and then I'm sorry, who else? Sharon. Sharon, okay, Janice, and then Sharon. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. So we're getting a little history lesson here in the forward to the second edition about what was happening in this adolescent period they call it. I love, I love that they describe it as our adolescent period because AA was growing up. AA was maturing. AA was settling in, getting solidly and firmly established. And while the internal affairs had some difficulties and they were being ironed out, what was happening? Public acceptance of AA grew by leaps and bounds. Public acceptance. So the idea that the general public was seeing that there was a reason to be hopeful in this organization, Alcoholics Anonymous. And for two principal reasons, it tells us. And we've heard this before. The large numbers of recoveries and the reunited homes. This is where people live. You know, this is where people live and function and grow in their homes. And these homes were being reunited. Homes that had been torn apart. And I don't know about you, but the personality of a compulsive overeater In her cups, the compulsive overeater actively in the food is not a pretty one. And it indeed tears homes apart. And yet, we have the possibility of recovering just like these AAs recovered. We have the same hope, the same possibility. Large numbers of recoveries are possible, and reunited homes are possible. You know, and these made their impressions everywhere, it says. Made their impressions everywhere. Getting sober, staying sober. Just like our possibilities. Getting abstinent, staying abstinent. And then working these steps as if our life depends on it, because it does. That's what happened to me. Transformation. Transformed personalities. Transformed lives. Transformed homes. You know, I'm so grateful that these things were ironed out ahead of us. I agree with Christy. I'm so glad I didn't have to be a part of that, that it was done for me, and that we can depend on this being true for us as well. Great numbers, great numbers of us can carry the message as we recover. Keep coming back, and with that I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Sharon, go ahead. Yeah, this is Sharon. Uh, I, I really, I yearn for the day when OA has that great public acceptance uh, as AA has. And I believe it can happen because we do have a solution. We do have a proven workable method by which people can recover. But until we get those large numbers that Of who are recovered and who have that life changing change experience where not only are they have they lost the weight or gained the weight, but not only do they have we have physical recovery, but we have that personality change, that light that glows within that, um, that surrendered life uh, until we get that that combination in large enough numbers, we won't get that public acceptance um, as as much as it's needed. But the thing I want to focus on right here is that the people that came into the room, you didn't just recover because you came into the rooms and sat around recovered people. You It says that the people Who really who got the recovery were those who really tried because there are a certain number of people that come into the room who who don't really want to recover and sometimes we have to examine ourselves to find out if we really really want to recover are we ready to throw ourselves headlong into this program of recovery. Because recovery is possible for all of us, for everyone, you can recover. There's just a limited, small, small number of people that can't, and we'll talk about that later in the big book. But we can recover, but it requires that headlong, that giving up of Our old way of thinking, our old way of always being right, of knowing all of the answers and knowing what to do and throwing ourselves headlong, just uh, uh, trusting that this program will grab us, that this way of life will, will lead us where we need to go. And when we first start, we can't see it because everything we've tried before, I know that's the way it was for me. The only way I was willing to try again was because I saw that there was recovery in other people, and I heard that they had a way of recovering that worked for them, and they held it out to me and said, this is available to you if you are willing to work it the way I worked it, the way we worked it. And, and so I was willing to try, to really try, and I received that hope. And so that is, that is um, when you come into the room, that complete surrender, that throwing yourself headlong, that believing that regardless of whether you can see it or not for yourself, if you can see it in other people who have recovered for months and years, Then it is possible for you as well. And that's the hope that we offer as we study this big book, as we come together in this fellowship, and we extend the hand to say there is uh, recovery for anyone who is willing to really cry. You can also recover. And I pass. Thank you, Sharon. I'm and Christine, I'm a compulsive overeater and you know what I'm struck by as we read this paragraph is uh, a couple of things and the two principal reasons that um, public acceptance of AA grew by leaps and bounds and first of all because people recovered, you know, the large numbers of recoveries and that homes were reunited. And when I read the statistics, I'm sure there are people today statisticians who can model recovery and numbers and people who come in and out of those people who come in who recovered um, you know that i don't know i don't know why some people recover and some people don't. when I look at those numbers and i and I look at fifty percent you know out of out of ten people, five people recover out of a thousand people, five hundred people recovered, you know right off the bat, right off the bat, let's just take those numbers. And when I look at that and I think about the way my addiction impacted not just me, but everything I touched, every aspect of my life. I wasn't a good employee. I wasn't a good partner. I wasn't a good daughter. I wasn't a good sibling. My disease impacted every aspect of my life. And coming in and being presented with a solution, and I've heard people say this over and over again this morning, that, um, you know, it is working the steps, coming in, coming in, putting the food down, working the steps, applying those enough to have a spiritual awakening so that I could have a psychic change so that my recovery cascades through every aspect of my life, just like the ripple effect of all of these people in the early days. 50%, that's 50% of homes that were perhaps reunited, of people that you know, became citizens of society once again. That's what recovery offers us. And if nothing else, what people have is the opportunity. You know, maybe, maybe the 12 steps aren't for everyone, but they are here and they are available. And so maybe people who come in first, like it says, and decide that the steps aren't for them, maybe in the back of their minds that seed has been planted and they know there's hope out there for them to recover because that's what they hear and that's what they see live out. And with that I pass. Is there anyone else who would like to share on what was read? This is Leah.
4: This is Judy. Judy. Leah Leia and then Judy B. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It says here, uh while the internal difficulties of our adolescent period were being ironed out, public acceptance of AA grew by leaps and bounds. Uh, for this, there were two principal reasons: the large number of recoveries in reunited homes. So AA is growing by leaps and bounds. There's public acceptance. You know, the men of medicine, uh, the men of science, the clergymen are taking notice uh, because these people who were uh, perceived to be doomed—that they would lie in the gutter or be locked up uh, till the last days of their lives—you um, were now uh, reborn. They were reborn. Something had happened to these men and women, uh, and and you and I know that uh, these men and women uh, implemented these steps, uh, I established a relationship with a power greater than themselves, and that power uh, revolutionized their lives. God revolutionized their lives. Uh, AA grew by leaps and bounds. You know, uh, my observation uh, is that, Unfortunately, that has not happened for the group called Overeaters Anonymous. And why is that? You know, have we grown away uh, from this very big book, these first 164 pages that offers us the clear-cut directions, the way out of that quicksand? We've moved away from it. You know, perhaps we've been focusing on other literature that is confusing, uh, that does not lead us in the direction that we need to go you know um and and what can we do about that you know we don't need to sing and dance for the newcomers we don't need to sing and dance for the newcomers this is about substance not sizzle you know sometimes what we try to do is is sell out to save the newcomer to give the newcomer what they want to hear so we don't leave so we don't lose them so we don't lose them you know, that's, that's not what we should be doing. That's not what we should be doing. You know, there was a method here. There was a method, and it was described in this big book. That method was eliminate alcohol from the get-go, as described in the doctor's opinion, and embark on this spiritual journey. You know, how absurd would it be if there were men and women still in their bottles leading meetings in AA? And yet, my observation is that that, that occurs in OA. So <laughs> O-A- AA grew by leaps and bounds. Let's, let's get this thing back on track because we're sometimes afraid we might scare the newcomer off. What I've learned in my own personal life is that you don't scare the dying. If you don't want to recover, there's nothing I can say to help you. And if you do want to recover, there's nothing I can say that will really do any harm. Because it's all about willingness. These people wanted recovery. They saw men and women whose lives had been restored. The drink problem was solved. These were men and women who were recovered, recovered. The obsession of the mind has been expelled. Their drink problem was solved. AA grew by leaps and bounds. There was public acceptance. This program of recovery that that uh, worked in their lives and gave them that result, a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, is still available to you and I. Fellowship is very, very powerful, absolutely powerful. But it's the program of recovery that creates the vital change that's necessary for you and I. It's the program of recovery that creates that spiritual awakening, that personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And when that happens and lives are restored, yes, public acceptance will occur for Overeaters Anonymous as well. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
5: Go ahead, Judy B. Uh, hi, this is Judy B. Uh Recovered compulsive overeater, Uh, this subject has been um, fully covered, but I just want to add that at the end, but great numbers of these, about two out of three, began to return as time passed. And that is one thing we see, in a way, that is going for us. People do come back. They come back, they come back, they come back. And what we need to be sure of is that when they come back, they hear that recovery is possible. I mean, that's something that I just didn't realize when I first started OA. I thought it was a cycle. You know, you were abstinent, then you relapsed, then you were abstinent, then you relapsed. And thank God I have found out through program, through working the uh, uh, meetings that that, uh, emphasize the big book, that recovery is possible and this this will give hope to those who keep returning and if we if we just tell our stories and and explain what worked for us and 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 help those who really want to recover they will recover they will recover if they're willing and they work the steps with a sponsor and an absolute psychic change does occur and we're seeing this over and over and for me, this is the hope of OA, that, that things will turn around. And um, oh, and thank goodness. I'm just, I'm so grateful for the recovery that, that is possible in OA. Thank you, and I pass.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, B. And with that, we will wrap up. Thank you to everyone who has shared. Um, a reminder that today's Meeting code, or today's code, is 2765. So if you want to listen again for today's meeting, it's 2765. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Fran, are you available to read on page 164?
8: Good morning. This is Fran Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little